Hi, I'm Robert Johnson, and I'm the location pastor at the Leewood location of Church of the Resurrection, and I'm with you today to introduce a new podcast called Resurrection Stories, through which we hope to expose our congregation and the greater Kansas City area to some of the amazing people here at Resurrection. We hope that as we expose them to you, them to you that you will hear their stories of hope and transformation and purpose and service and be inspired. Be inspired to deepen your own relationship with Jesus Christ or and uh, be inspired to come and visit Resurrection and experience what God is doing here yourself. So welcome to this first podcast. We want you to share this the news about this podcast so you can go to core.org forward slash podcasts and find the link and share that link on your social media outlets, share it in your email, text messages, and invite other people to come and experience this podcast. So I want to now welcome our first guest. His name is Daryl Burton, and Daryl is an associate pastor here at Resurrection, serves with our Connection and Care team, but he has an amazing story, and I can't wait for you to hear it today. So Daryl, welcome to our podcast. It's so glad to, good to have you here today. No, thank you, Pastor Robin. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. It's truly joy. Well, so Daryl, let's start here. Tell us exactly what you do at Resurrection, how long, how long you've been at Resurrection, what exactly do you do? And then at the end, we'll come back and ask this again. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, in your opinion, what's the best thing about resurrection? Well, let me answer the, uh, the last question first. So for me, the best thing about resurrection is the outward, the outreach that they do in the community. Resurrection, you know, has this, you know, this mentality, this concept from the top down, from Pastor, Senior Pastor Adam Hamilton to everybody in the, you know, as part of a congregation in the church. It's to go out and reach those who are what we call, you know, and Adam like to call it from the book of uh, Gospel of Luke, the nobodies. So that means that the poor, the people like in Africa, the, you know, those who are struggling and suffering in the community, those in prison, those who have challenges in life. And this is what this church, you know, is really focused on, you know, and it's a mega church. It's a big church. But the heart of the church, and you have both, you know, people from both sides of the political spectrum, and they work together, you know, in a spirit of love to help those who have needs, the most needs. And that's, as Jesus described them, the least of these in the community. That's the best part of the church uh, that I like about the church. And then I've been here for 10 years. Uh, I came in what we call 10 years resurrection years because <laughs> Pastor Adam also said, you know, it's like Hotel California. You know, you can, you can, you can, you can check out anytime you want, but you just can't never leave. So... <laughs> We are here, you know, and when we come to resurrection, but I mean, the people and the love is here. You, you know, you just you want to stay. You want to be a part, you know, of this experiment and of this experience, you know, to uh, as the purpose of the church is to build a Christian community where non-religious, non-religious people become deeply committed Christians. So that's people who really struggle with faith or didn't believe, and that was me, you know. So they built this church. I think, you know, uh, with somebody like me in mind. Wow. And so, uh, wow. those the two question. I think you had a third question. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Tell folks exactly what you do at Resurrection. You know, and what I do at Resurrection, uh, primarily uh, as a care congregation pastor, we uh, do weddings, funerals. We offer, you know, pastoral care to those in hospitals, those who are struggling with uh, depression and uh, mental health illness. Uh, we, uh, as pastors, you know, we just, you know, we put a, pretty much an extension of, of Adam because of when you got a church this size, he can't be everywhere, you know, and offer the kind of care and support. To, to all the people who may need it. You know, in fact, I just did a, a hospital visit. You know, mm-hmm. a woman, she failed and broke her back, but her husband just passed away two days ago. So she's struggling with, you know, some really, you know, some devastating issues right now in mm-hmm. her life and in her journey. 
And so that's what we do. We just go out and try to just offer support and help. I mean, then we, of course, I mean, we invite people in to come, you know, and listen to, uh, you know, some of the, the sermons and the messages that are shared and, and to become a part of this fellowship and this congregation uh, and just, you know, offer uh, people hope, you know, and help in any kind of way that we can. Uh, we have, you know, different uh, programs as it relates to recovery community. If it's, mm-hmm. you know, we have, you know, depression, uh, we have, you know, uh, programs for hope and forgiveness. We got a lot of different programs that are, that are offered to the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids, of course, it's a, a big kids program here at this church. So it's a lot, you know, that we do. You know, we have congregational care ministers who are also an extension of us mm-hmm. to help, you know, in the community. So. This church it does a lot, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah. and I'm I'm just glad to be a part. Of it. I said this to, yeah. you know, to Adam and the leadership. Even if I wasn't a Christian or a believer, I would be a part of this church and this yeah. community yeah. because yeah. of the outreach and what yeah. they do. Yeah. They the real deal. The real real deal, real deal. Yeah. And thank you for kind of spelling it out because that is it is amazing. The recovery groups, but then basic small groups for uh, discipleship, yeah. grief groups. Uh, yeah. But so much I was sharing with my team this morning that if you made a list as a human being or as a believer, if you made a list of all the things in the world, the problems in the world that you think need to be solved, if you make a list of that, resurrection is touching on almost everything in some kind of way. Now, there will always be critics who think mm-hmm. who can say they're not they should be doing more. But there's most churches aren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. But resurrection is touching on all the major issues. People in recovery, mm-hmm. uh, we're caring for people on a daily basis, delicate, diligent care for people, uh, foster care, mm-hmm. uh, ministering to the homeless, to formerly incarcerated people, and then going really to the ends of the earth serving people. So that's what an accurate description. That's part of what we're doing with this podcast is helping to tell the story of resurrection so mm-hmm. people can know that. Because I think I agree there. I think a lot of people would agree with you that if even if they weren't Christians, if they knew all the great stuff the resurrection was doing, they wouldn't be a part of this community. Absolutely, I mean, it's because causes, and I was big on causes before I was a, even a believer or a Christian. I didn't believe in God, but I believe in causes. I came from a community where you know the social justice uh, in, in our community was it was it was needed. You know, we needed all the you know what you call the wraparound services yeah. and you know and care support that a lot of folks get in my community. If we lack that. I right. mean, whether, you know, because you touched touch on the homelessness, alcoholism, drug addiction, yeah. you know. I mean, I grew up in a violent community. And so uh, we need those, that kind of support base. And this church, it, you know, it, you know, it takes, yeah, it extends its hand to those kinds of communities to, you know, provide the kind of support that people need. I mean, we have partnered with schools yep. in the urban core, in the inner city, you know, where the people of color are, you know, and not afraid to go. Yep. I mean, people who, were, you know, who didn't grow up, you know, maybe poor or disenfranchised or, you know, uh, maybe they had some resources. They go down into those communities, man, and try to help. And not only that, they just, you know, provide, you know, the kind of, you know, care and love for people who otherwise it don't seem like, you know, people who come from wealth, you know, would be, you know, even connecting with people who are poor. But yeah. this church and people here, they do that, yeah. you know, and that's important, you know. And as you also talk about you know, the mental health and substance abuse, you know, and all these other, you know, small group, you know, in, in places in this church where we try to, 
you know, provide, you know, at least a place for people to come. Absolutely. You know, if they're grieving a loss, whatever Absolutely. the case may be. That's that's yeah. what we're about. That's what that's why I'm a part of resurrection, because of the causes. Yeah. You know, and then and not only that, it's God focused too, it's yes. Jesus, because Absolutely. that's what Jesus you know, this is exactly what he would be doing. That's you what know? Jesus, I, I totally God believe focus. that. Yes. Absolutely. And being so inclusive of people who are marginalized, people who are untouchables, yeah. people who most commit church faith communities have excluded. The LGBT, yeah. LGBTQ community, right. uh, people who were formerly incarcerated, just just lots lots of people that other churches just kind of shy away from. Mm-hmm. A welcome to your resurrection is one of the great things, and we do that. By the way, folks, we do that without being political. Since yeah. I've been on staff, it's very interesting. I haven't had a single political conversation since I've been on staff here at Resurrection, and so. All of this work happens without getting into the nastiness of politics. We're not doing it because we're political. Right. We do it because, as you said, we believe this is what Jesus calls us to do. Adam, right. Pastor Adam very clear about that. There, there's some other work you do here through an organization called Miracle of Innocence that I believe, and you can correct me when we get to that part. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Resurrection played a part in helping to found that organization, helping to get that organization started when you came on staff here. We'll come back to that in a minute because in order to understand what Miracle of, miracle of innocence, innocence is, uh, folks got to know your story. So, yes. But before we get to your story, before you get to your story, I want to have a little fun with you. Mm. Uh, tell, tell us what, so I want folks to kind of see, you know, we, we, we've gotten deep into ministry and, mm. and, the, and, and, and passions, our passion about Jesus and resurrection's passion for, for all people. But let's pause for a moment. Tell us so folks can get to know you. What's your favorite movie? <laughs> My favorite movie. Yes. Yeah, this product will <laughs> shock you. Uh, and I, there's a couple of favorite, but my favorite movie okay. of all time is Forrest Gump. <laughs> that's gonna probably shock, probably make you laugh, probably make a lot of people laugh. Forrest Gump. You probably said Forrest Gump, you know, and uh, and some people may think Shawshank Redemption, and others, but no, Forrest Gump is my favorite movie. You know, even Green Mile and some others. But and, and here's the reason why: because man, I love that character that he played. He was just a simple person. Who then he didn't see the world of, you know, like I say, politics, you know, uh, black and white, or this my side, that's my side. He just saw people, man, you know, and uh, and then, you know, and he had what we would call special needs, but man, his his caring, you know, and his compassion and his love just for people, you know, even during wartime, you know. And then I have a niece who has special needs, and she's similar to that. Yeah. You know, she don't see differences, you know, in nobody. She don't see distinctions, yeah. or there's a distinction without a difference. You know, and that's, you know, and I, I, that movie chokes me up just talking about mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. I love how, and it reminds me of Christ, of Jesus. You know, he just embraced everybody, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and as he say, life is like a box of chocolate, yeah. you know. And yeah, uh, yeah but that's yeah. that's my favorite movie, man, of, yeah. of all time. I love asking people that question because oftentimes that answer, uh, as much as it is a reflection of the, the movie, it's also a reflection of their hearts because yeah. the way you describe Forrest Gump, is yeah. how I think most of us around here would describe you, that Dara doesn't mm. see color, doesn't see political affiliation, doesn't mm. that you just care about people. Right. And so, uh, great answer, great answer. I, I've got, a, I got a good friend of mine who says, thinking back on what I just said about how your pick of favorite movies can reflect who you are, I got a good friend mm. of mine who says his favorite movie is, is The Godfather. 
But that's another conversation for another right. day. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote about them in my book, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yes. Well, very good. So, Darrell, let's get to the crux of this conversation. I can't wait for people to hear this, yeah. those that, that haven't heard it before. Uh, tell us how you became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And including your story, what was the turning point? So part of it is just telling your story, but wrap it around your faith story, your, mm-hmm. your journey, how, you know, when you, as you became a follower of Jesus and what was the turning point for you? Yeah, well, I mean, thank you for asking this. That is, uh, I think, a rather deep and profound question there because I was someone who struggled with faith for many years. I grew up in the Baptist faith tradition, so I, I knew about God. I mean, in my grandmother's house, you went to church. That was the rule from a little boy, from a little guy all the way up. And so, but they went to church a lot, like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, was a lot of church going, man. I'm like, Grandma, how much Jesus do we need? You know, I mean, it was, it was, you know, so, I mean, it's Sunday, man, kids out playing football. I want to be out there with the kids, you know, but up until 12, I think 12 or 13, you had to go to church. And then when you got to, to a point of age where you could decide not to go, I was out. I'm out, Grandma. But I remember... You know, and I, this is part of my faith story, my journey, is that I remember two older men said years ago, and I'm just going to make this short and get to the point, is that two different occasions, that boy going to be a preacher. You know, one old man said, and another old man, they didn't know each other. Man, I cursed them guys up one side, down the other. <laughs> I went off, I went bliss, because I didn't want to be no preacher, because I'm like, no preachers keep you in church a whole lot. I'm really, really no, that ain't going to be my vocation. <laughs> Preaching? <laughs> no, man, you got me missing, you got, you missed the mark. However... You know, and just a part of my journey, my story, I ended up going to prison wrongfully for the crime of Captain Murray, faced the death penalty. And uh, they waived it, and I ended up was sentenced to life without parole for 50 years, plus 25 years consecutive. I'm 22 years old, so 75 years and 22. Basically, I'm supposed to die in prison. Not believing in God. I gave, you know, I was, you know, not so much I blame God, I just didn't believe in God, you know, like my grandmother, my mother, and family did. But in that prison, they said there are no atheists in foxholes, and they got that point right because at some point, in that journey, you know, I mean, I had tried everything that I could think of, you know. I, I mean, I wrote letters, I filed motions, pleadings with courts, um, asked for an appeal, asked for a new trial. Everything got denied. So I wrote about 700 letters from the United States to Canada, to Europe, presidents, governors, senators, representatives, Republicans, Democrats, independents, Oprah Winfrey, sports figures. I wrote everybody and even wrote the church. And the church wouldn't help me. I said, see, that's why I don't believe in the church. They, they talk to the talk. They don't walk the walk. They said, I'm a sinner, right? I'm in the sinner's club, yeah. and they're not helping me. So I was just really dismissed. I just dismissed God and faith altogether. That wasn't for me. I had nothing against it. I just didn't believe in it because I'm from Missouri. You got to show me. I need to see evidence of God. Yeah. And, uh, and then at one point in uh, 1998, I believe it was, I was, had been in prison since the 80s, the 80s. And, on, uh, and some Christian brothers have been, you know, kind of challenging me. They're, you know, you try everything else. Why don't you try God? Why don't you read the Bible? And, they, and I was just saying things like, oh, that's, you know, that's for weak people. That's not for me. Long story short, just bring this here to my faith journey. As in 1998, I literally wrote a letter to Jesus Christ in these words, pen and paper, and said, Dear Jesus Christ, if you're real and you know all things, you and I know I'm innocent. If you help me get out of this place, not only would I serve you, but I'd tell the world about you. Sincerely yours, Daryl Burton. That was a pen and paper. True story. I didn't believe in God. I was challenging him. Basically, put up a shut up. And also, when the Christian brothers come and talk to me about Jesus and try God, I'm like, look, man, I've written him a letter. He's not answering my mail. So you can go on down the block with that. 
Christian stuff. We got to deal with human beings. Human beings is what we got to deal with in this earth. God ain't got nothing to do with our human affairs. That's, that was my attitude. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and all the things that I couldn't do in 20 years, two years later, an organization took my case called Centurion Ministries. They got the name from the Bible. When Jesus was crucified as an innocent man, I didn't know his story. He was innocent. A centurion said, surely this man was innocent. That was one sign. The second sign, the man who found the organization, his name is James, one of Jesus' apostles, and one of his brothers' name is James. The third sign, and the kicker for me, the lead attorney who helped me get out of prison, has a law firm not far from here. Her name is Cheryl Pilot, as in Pontius Pilot. You know, I mean, Ray Charles could see somebody was trying to get in touch with me. So this was after you had written the letter. This was after I written the letter. You know, yeah, all these different signs. There's three signs, you know. Yeah, this is exactly. So then... Somebody said, get a Bible with red letters. If you get a red letter Bible, quotes out of Jesus' mouth, read that. And so I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm filled with hate. And so I began to read these red letters. And Jesus, how he said, love your enemy. And I hate a lot of people. And pray for them. And forgive them. You know, in the gospel. And uh, Luke's and uh, Matthew's gospel. I'm like, man, what kind of religion is this? And this guy here, Jesus, is just totally different from anything that I had ever, ever faced as a relationship. To religion. I never experienced that. At least I wasn't open to it. One verse in the Bible, this is my faith story, this is my journey. One verse in the Bible began to transform my heart. Luke 23, 34, when Jesus was being crucified as an innocent man after they beat him, you know, spit on him, crowned the thorns, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I said, Man, that's not human. That's divine. How could this guy do that? And they're killing him and he's innocent. And uh, that was the one that began to transform my heart. And uh, and I began to pray for those people through Clint's teeth. I'm afraid for them, Jesus, but you know what they did to me. Make them turn around. They let them. I was so angry. And I just said, I can't forgive God. It's too hard. But it's like something whispered in my spirit and said, no, Daryl, you can't forgive them, but I can forgive them through you if only you would let me. And uh, and that's where it started from there. And I look back at that verse and I saw Jesus couldn't forgive him either in his humanness. That's why he said, Father, forgive him for they know not what they do. And uh, I said, man, what do I have to lose? You know, I'm a this guy. And then how he was helping the poor. He was helping the homeless, the immigrants, you know, the feeding, giving water to the, those who are thirsty. I said, man, this guy here, he's doing all the things that my community need. I missed him. I said, man, I just missed him totally. You know, and, uh, and it, it woke me up, man. And, yeah, and uh, and that's what brought me back to faith. And um, I said, this is, Grandmama had it right, boy. She was, she was right. So you're going to need Jesus one of these days. It's an amazing story. Yeah. It's when, I've, when I've heard you tell that story, when I've heard you tell that story before, uh, I love the part where you talk about uh, that, that you noticed that Jesus was, on was an innocent man on death row. Yeah. Uh, and you said, he just, he's just like me. But, but so, Daryl, uh, I ran out of time, but I want to ask you one other question. So tell us about Miracle Innocence real quick. Mm -hmm. So you come out, right. uh, you're exonerated. You come out. You somehow you could find, connect with Pastor Adam, right? And then how does Miracle in, tell us what Miracle of Innocence is, is and, and how it gets started. started? Yeah. Okay. Well, just quickly, I, I came home looking for some help and some support, and went to a lot of these reentry programs for offenders who help people when they get out of prison after they serve their time. Well, I went to them and they said, we can't help you. We only help guilty people. We don't help innocent people. I said, man, but I did almost 25 years. They said, yeah, we sorry, but you were innocent. And we'll lose our funding if we help wow. you. And so that was kind of the, you know, the inspiration to get Miracle of Innocence started. And uh, because I said, man, when other innocent people come on, in fact, they had said that you guys need to start something for innocent people. And so when uh, I come home, me and then Lamont McIntyre came home, said, man, let's start an innocence organization. You know, I'm out here at the Church of Resurrection. 
And um, in fact, I didn't know that they said there is a uh, in the book of discipline, there is, you know, one of the paragraphs that talk about extension ministries. Yeah. Because I didn't think I could do it, but then, then uh, one of the pastors, my, in fact, my supervisor, Steve, Steve Langhoff, and then somebody, they showed me, said, Darrell, you can start, you know, uh, uh, an organization to help innocent people through extension ministry. You can do both, work at the church and do that as, as well. And so that's how I started, Miracle of Innocence, to help innocent people get out of prison and then help them once they come home. And the church has been a big supporter of the organization. Every time we've had a gala in the last six, seven years, we've had it right here, Church of Resurrection in the Foundry. Uh, at no cost, you know, except pay for, you know, uh, some, you know, minor things like some tech support or something like that. But it's been very helpful. And a lot of the congregation have also donated and been funders of uh, Miracle of Innocence. And people can find out more information about Miracle of Inno yes. Innocence if they go to the website. To right. Miracleofinnocence.org. Okay. Uh, Miracleofinnocence.org. Or you can go to DarrellBurton.org or you can go to Core.org in some kind of way. You you get connected to Miracle of Innocence. You can also find your story written out on the yeah. website. Yes, you can find my story written out on the website, and I got a book that's coming out, Innocent a Second Look. You know, right. so it's about to you know also be published. And that book will be out when? That book's going to be out before Thanksgiving. Okay. That's the that's that I that's our hope. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. our hope. Yeah. So I was going to what my final question was going to be: What gift do you hope to leave to the world? If you leave this book behind with your testimony and, and this organization. Long after you're gone, that book will be with us, will be with the world, and that book will be your or, mir, mir, miracle of innocence will be uh, still active and, and helping uh, uh, wrong incarcerated people uh, get exonerated. So that is your contribution. There are any final words you'd like to share with, the, with our listeners today just about who you are and what you're passionate about? Yeah, I just, you know, want to also say Valerie, you know, who's my wife. We had four kids together, nine grandkids. It's a blended marriage. But she was also instrumental to help me and Lamont get Miracle Venice started. And, uh, you know, Miracle Venice, as you say, that would be something that we would leave behind uh, once, you know, life, you know, is uh, with me, you know, has come to my, you know, as we say, my sunset. What I, I like to say uh, also, you know, for anybody who's listening, you know, at Church of Resurrection, you know, and any church like this here that's doing this kind of outreach, you know, it's a home for you. You know, it's a place for you. It's a place for, you know, to do the work if you about causes. Then that's what we're about. And uh, and I think about 25 years I lost, and I, I thought about that. What am I going to be able to contribute to society or leave behind? With, you know, what I do here at the church and what we do with Miracle of Innocence, that's it. You know, no more, no less. I didn't come out with the ambition, you know, to leave a book, write a book, you know, start an organization, or, you know, or get wealthy. I, I just come out to want to help people. And that's what I, and to tell the world about Jesus. And my message for real, for any and everybody, is about hope and forgiveness. That's my message. I have, I'm a one-trick pony with one message, <laughs> hope and forgiveness. And it is a great message and a great story, our first resurrection story. Darrell, thank you so much for being on our first episode. Thank you so much for helping me introduce this, and we're uh, delight praying for you. So Resurrection and Greater KC Area, thank you for listening in today. Again, if you want to share this podcast, you can go to core.org forward slash podcast and find the link, and then you can share that on your social media outlets and other ways that you share uh, important links of things that you are excited about. We also want to invite you to come and worship with Resurrection. Come visit us and some of the activities that are going on. You can also find those activities, find out about our worship service and activities at core.org. And want to remind you that 
Resurrection is a Christian community uh, where nominally religious and non-religious people can become deeply committed Christians, and we hope that you will consider deepening your relationship with Jesus Christ and maybe coming and checking out what's happening at Resurrection. Thank you for listening in. Goodbye.